we um, at, was at the office uh, last week, and uh, we've been talking a lot about, in our office, about the new year, you know, like companies do, and churches do, and different organizations do, and um, we had somebody come in and visit the office, and, uh, you know, some people come into our office all the time, because there's conference rooms and different things like that, and uh, so one group came in, and, you know, kind of folks were like, well, I don't know who those guys are, but they're just using the conference room. Maybe that's the cellular side, or maybe that's, you know, these folks or whatever. And when uh, they came out of their meeting, uh, a group of people that I was with bumped into them, and we were saying, you know, well, hey, who are you guys? And one of the guys said, well, I'm Bill Swords. And as soon as he said his name, Swords, we all recognized that name at, at my company because he's the president of AT&T Indiana. So we knew the name. We'd never really seen his face. So, you know, how it is, you know, you're kind of in the office and you're kind of like, hey, how's everything going? You know, what's going on? And he said, I'm Bill Swords. And everybody said, oh, Bill Swords, you know, because we recognize that name, Bill Swords. And so you kind of take a different posture, you know, when you hear a name like that, that you recognize a name of authority. And, uh, you know, it just kind of reminds me of how sometimes lackadaisical I can be when uh, I have a name that is above every name. You know, I have the name of Jesus. And it seems like when I hear that name, when I speak that name, I should stand up straight and say, that's a name of authority. That name means something. But I think what's happened is that name has sort of uh, got demeaned, if you will. You know, Lord, one of the commandments is you shall not take the Lord thy God's name in vain, right? Anybody heard of that commandment? Maybe you haven't read it, but you've at least heard, heard of that, right? And so when you think of that, you think of maybe somebody using a curse word, you know, a real bad curse word that makes you flinch, that type of thing. But really, I believe that using that name in vain is using his name for anything other than he sanctioned it for, okay? So in other words, imagine... Every time somebody stubbed their toe or if they got into an accident, you know, they said, oh, Jeff, you know, and you say, Jeff, I didn't have anything. What, why are you calling my name? You know, or something bad happened to him. They say, oh, Jeff, you know, well, how do you think Jesus feels every time something happens? We use his name. You stub your toe, you know, somebody does something. Oh, Jesus. That could be using his name in vain. Come on, folks. That's not at least what he sanctioned it for. Well, this morning I want to continue on something that we were talking about a couple weeks ago, the name of Jesus. Just simply the name of Jesus. We started on this a couple weeks ago, and then we had our Thanksgiving message last week that also had to do with Jesus. You know, you can't get around it, can you? And so if you have your Bible this morning or you have your scripture, turn to the book of Philippians, chapter number 2nd. And uh, I don't think I even have this up here, so you just have to use your scripture today. A little handicap today. You have to use your scripture. You have to use your Bible. Oh, we do have it. Look, there's Nia. Okay. Of course, she looks at me like, did you think I didn't have the scripture? <laughs> All right. That's wonderful. The book of Philippians, beginning at chapter 2. We're going to focus on verse 11, but I'm going to start from verse 1. Okay. Let's go ahead and leave that up there, Nia. I'm going to start from verse 1. If you have your Bible, if you have it, say, I have it. And if you have your scripture, just follow along with me. It says, Paul, 
actually, therefore, I'm starting at chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 1 of chapter 2, don't we? Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. How many say, I can do better in that area? Come on. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Verse 5. Then he says, let this mind or let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, this mind, this thing that Paul just talked about, that we just read about, thinking of others greater than yourself, come on, being of one mind, this was Jesus' mind. And he says, let that mind also be in you. That was in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. In other words, the God of the universe, the one that created you, that breathed the breath of life in you, that formed you, that knew you in the, before you were formed in the womb, that very one came down and made himself like you and me. And being found in appearance, verse 8, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, not just any death. Even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God the Father, Jesus has been given the name that is above every other name. Every other name. Well, I want to talk a little bit this morning about authority in Jesus' name. But... Let's look at some things before we get to that. You know, I, I was looking at this name Jesus, and I see it in our English Bible. And I began to wonder, where did that name Jesus come from? Not where did Jesus, the person's name, come from. We know God gave him that name. But where did the English name Jesus come from? Right? And so as I began to look at that, what I found is that Jesus, the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, is not necessarily a translation or a transcription, but it is something called a transliteration, all right? And what that simply means is, that means that it is something that represents or spells the characters of another alphabet. In other words, it converts a text from one script to another. It's not a translation. In other words, a transliteration is not as focused on the meaning of something as it is how do you pronounce it in your language. 
Now, you might wonder, why am I telling you this? Why am I giving you this background? Am I bringing something to light? No, what I want to do in this teaching of, about the name of Jesus is give you all the information that you can possibly have so that you are armed. Come on, that you are fully armed and fully clothed with the scripture of God and all the knowledge that God can give us that when the enemy might come against you, when other religions might come against you, come on, when others who are apathetic may come against you, when others who don't believe may come against you, you will be armed with the knowledge of why we do what we do. You know, one of the things for me is I found myself, especially being in this position as a, a preacher or a teacher of the word, is that, you know, you find yourself in a position where people have a lot of questions. Come on. I know I have a lot of questions sometimes about different things. And then sometimes there's things where you've done something, you know, for years and years, and you, you may not necessarily know why. You know, it's just the way I was taught or the way I do it. And I believe that that's Okay to a point, but there has to come a point where our knowledge goes deeper. Because the Lord said, seek my face while I may be found. Seek me out. Understand me. Solomon said in Proverbs, pray, but with all your praying, get understanding. Get understanding. And so that's what we need to get. And so we just simply need to know that this name Jesus is really a transliteration. All, all it means is that there was a word in the Hebrew that means something. And we talked about that last time and we'll talk about that today. But that word in the Hebrew means something. And so what we, we cannot pronounce that because in English we, we, uh, we have a different dialect, if you will. You know, you grew up a certain way, you grew up pronouncing things a certain way, and so to pronounce it in the Hebrew, you would actually have to form your tongue a different way. It goes to the back of your throat, in other words, to do Arabic sounds and that type of thing. And so what we did is we just said, how can we pronounce that in English to make it easier to pronounce? Now what I want, so people will come to you and say, well, see, it's not even to say, they didn't care about the meaning, they just made it Jesus, and really, it's Yeshua, and instead of saying Yeshua, you know, people just said Jesus, so they demean the name. Well, I'm here to tell you that nothing demeans the name of Jesus. Just because we say it so we can speak it in English, come on, doesn't mean that the power of that name is diminished, okay? I just want to set that straight and get that out of the way. The name of Jesus is the name that's above every name. And the reason why we made it Jesus was because in English, that's an easy way for us to pronounce it. But really what the name is, it's Yeshua, as you know, Yeshua. And remember, we talked last time that that word in Hebrew, of course, everybody will say it means salvation, doesn't it? And it does mean salvation. And if you really study and look it up, what you'll find is that that word Yeshua, that name Yeshua, really when God gave that name, when you read it in Luke, it means the Lord has saved. Past tense. As soon as he gave the name, it's already done. Why? Because when the Lord says something, it's over, it's done. When God speaks, it's done. And so, yes, it means salvation. So to us, salvation will come because one day he will die on the cross, right? 30 years from now, 33 years from now from his birth or whatever it was, he will die on the cross. But to God, when he gave the name, the Lord has saved. Here is your salvation already done. In the name of Jesus, come on. 
Now, salvation, that name means salvation or that name means the Lord has saved. The Lord is my salvation. Do you realize that that name, Jesus or Yeshua, or really salvation, the word salvation, which means the same thing, right? We just showed that, is mentioned 78 times in the Old Testament in the form of salvation. Genesis 49, 18, I have waited for your salvation, O Lord, Abraham. Come on. I have waited for your salvation. I have waited for the Savior, O Lord. Exodus 15, 2, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my what? Salvation. He is my Messiah. He is my Yeshua. He is my God. I will praise him. 1 Chronicles 16, 23. Don't worry, I'm not going to go through all 78. Just a few of them here. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim the good news of his salvation, of his Savior, of his Messiah from day to day. Psalm 3, 8. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jesus, Yeshua, belongs to the Lord. He came from the very bowels of God. It's not a separate being. It's not a separate entity. Isaiah 62 1 for Zion's sake I will not hold my peace and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns Jesus a lamp that burns listen to what Jonah said but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving I will pay what I have vowed why because salvation is of the Lord salvation is of the Lord so he's always been here that name has always been here it's just been made manifest to us in the form of Yeshua or Jesus when he was born what we're about to celebrate this season that's when it was made manifest to us why did he do that well, for several reasons, but one of them is we gave God so many names in the Old Testament. Every time he did something, come on, somebody was giving him a name because names are important. Names, uh, you know, they, they, they depict uh, uh, the character of that person. Names depict who that person is. That's what a name does. And so every time something happened, Psalm 23.1, they called him Jehovah Rohi. The Lord is my shepherd. In Ezekiel 48, 5, they said, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is present. He is here. He's not far away. He is here with me. In Exodus 15, 26, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is our healer or the Lord heals. Or really, literally translated, the Lord is healing. He is healing. Jeremiah 23, 6, Jehovah Tiskanu. The Lord is our righteousness because I can't be my own righteousness. I can't be righteous by myself. I need righteousness from God. Gen Genesis twenty-two thirteen. We know this one, Jehovah Jireh, ram in the bush. The Lord will provide or the Lord is my provider. Jehovah Nissi, Exodus seventeen fifteen. Lord is our banner. You know, when an army goes into battle, they have a banner that goes out forth that you know who's coming. The Lord is our banner. Here he comes. 
And then Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. That was given in Judges 6.24. Every time something would happen significant in someone's life that served the Lord, they would give the Lord that name. God, you are my peace. We have won the battle. We have won the victory. You are my banner. Always giving glory to God with the name. Giving glory to God with the name. And so God said, listen, you have all of these names for me. And they are all true. They are all correct. But I'm going to wrap it up and tie it up with a bow for you. For I am sending you a savior. He is a wonderful counselor. He is the everlasting father. Come on, somebody. He's the prince of peace. Come on, the chastisement of our peace is upon him. And by his stripes, we, I like what Peter said, were, come on, healed. Said, I'm giving that, I'm giving you my salvation. That was talked about 78 times in the Old Testament. Now I'm giving it to you in the form of a person. And he shall be called Yeshua. His name shall be Jesus. The Lord has saved. Salvation is at hand. It's not a coming thing now. It's here. Your salvation is here. If that's not enough to shout about, I don't know what is. My salvation is here. And so he has given us a name that is above every name. He has given it to us. He dwells with us. One of the, one of the apostles said we touched him and we felt him. In other words, we hugged his neck. We kissed him on the cheek. We, we battled with him. We walked the streets. Come on. He gave us power and we healed with him. We ate with him. He is, he's tabernacling with us. It's Jesus. Now, back to what I was talking about at first, how when anything happens, oh, oh Jesus. Who has a right to use that name Jesus? And you might think, well, everybody. I mean, G God has given it to us, so anybody can call on the name of Jesus. Anybody can say Jesus. Well, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Really, according to Scripture, the believer has the right to use that name. The believer has the right. Well, we know that because in John 14, 13, Jesus said, And whatever you, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 15, 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask... The Father in my name, he may give you. He's given us the right, saints, to use this name. John 16, he says, and in that day you will ask me nothing. You don't have to ask it of me. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. And he's encouraging us, come on, ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. I was watching, I was watching a movie a few weeks ago and these guys had gone in and uh, robbed a bank 
you know, and, and, and they, they had hostages in there with them. And they, but before they could execute their plan, what happened was the police and the authorities came before they had an opportunity to execute. You know how they do. We got two minutes left, you know, and then they're coming. Okay, we got 60 seconds, right? And then what happened was the time ran out. They didn't run their two-minute drill too good, Pastor. They didn't run it too well. And so the authorities got there, and now they were trapped. And now they were saying, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. We can't get out. We might as well give up, or we might as well just go out shooting, and they'll just shoot us, you know, and, and that whole thing. And all of a sudden, uh, they were talking about shooting, and they said, we're just going to shoot all the hostages, and then we'll go out and get shot. And that way, just everybody dies. That's what they were going to do. All right? And then one of the hostages said, wait a minute, there, that guy is a senator. And they said, what? Oh, wait a minute now. Now we can change our plan, Mom, because we got a senator in here, and he means something. Had we known that a senator was in here with us, we wouldn't have talked about going out and getting killed. Now we can use this senator. We have power. We have some leverage. And they were able to work their way out for a time. Of course, they were the bad guys, so they got it in the end. But they were able to work their way out of the situation because they had someone with them that meant something, someone who had some power. I believe as Christians, we walk around, we don't realize who we have with us, who we have on our side, that we have power. We find ourselves in situations where we get beat down constantly and got the power with you the whole time. We never use it. And he implores us in John 16. He says, ask and you will receive. Ask that your joy may be full. He says, in that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. No. Ask in my name. In other words, God, listen, God does the work. We, we don't demean what God does. We're not trying to say that we're independent of God. But we have to realize that he has given us the power. And so when we find ourselves in situations, we need to look in the mirror sometimes and say, why have you not used what God has given you? Why have you not used his name because he gave it to you to use? The name of Jesus. Come on. Now, let me tell you something. You're special. You're special that way. Because I want to tell you, the unbeliever does not have a right to use the name of Jesus. And I'll show it to you. Now, the unbeliever can call on the name of Jesus for salvation. And salvation only. I, I can call, if I'm an unbeliever, I call on the name of Jesus for salvation. Because nothing happens unless that's established. You're not part of the church, you're not part of the kingdom, you're not part of the family. Sounds harsh, but that's the way it is. And a lot of people think because they go to church, because they do good deeds, because they do good works, that, hey, God knows my heart. Yeah, he does know your heart. He knows that you are a sinner and you are far from him. And he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you, no matter the works you do, quote, unquote, in my name. Because I never gave it to you, and I'll show it to you. Look at Acts 19, verses 13 to 16, says this. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves. This is Bible now. They took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over the evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. 
Also, there were, you know the story, seven sons of Sceva. Ever heard of that? Ever heard of these guys? Now, Sceva was a Jewish chief priest. I don't know who you thought Sceva was when you heard this story, but Sceva was a, he was not just a priest. He was a chief priest. Sceva was up there. Now, the evil spirit answered them after they said, we exercise you by the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. Evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. Uh, Paul, I know. Uh, But who are you? I don't know you just because you say in the name of Jesus. It didn't mean anything to these demons. Come on. They certainly said it. They said, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. But they didn't know him personally. And so he's saying, who are you? Then, to, 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 to use my very best, best English, check this out. Then, the man in whom the evil spirit was in leapt upon them overpowered them and prevailed against them. Another translation says, beat them. Just beat them. Gave them a beating. So that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Now here's the unbelievers. They tried to use the name of Jesus. Not only did it not work, but they got a royal beating, got their clothes taken from them, and they had to leave naked. So you tell me who's authorized to use the name of Jesus and who's not. I just want you to understand that you are privileged to have that name of Jesus. And so when we don't use the name of Jesus the way God intended for us to use it, well, I tell you what, we're just about slapping him in the face. Because what you're saying is, I got this. I don't need that name. I don't need to, I'll just use it on special occasions. I mean, you know, when somebody's really, 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 really sick, then I'll call on the name of Jesus. You know, if I I really, 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 really need some money, then I'll call on the name of Jesus. But Jesus is to be with us all the time. We were talking about this. This is our life. That when they when they followed Jesus in in the book of Acts, they they it was it wasn't called Christianity just yet, it was called the way. You ever read that? In the way. And the way meant all of my life. It wasn't just at church on Sundays. It wasn't just in the market. It wasn't just at Bible study. But it was every moment of every day I'm in the way. Every moment of every day I have the name of Jesus. No matter what situation I find myself in, I have it. In fact, when you are baptized, baptizo, immersed in the water, come on, and you come up out of that water, you are given the name of Jesus because the Bible says you are, your heart is circumcised, the circumcision made without hands. And we know in the Old Testament, a son got his name on the eighth day when he was circumcised. When he was circumcised, that's when he was given his name. Well, so are you. When, you are, when your heart is circumcised, you are given a name. A name that is above every name every situation it's yours it belongs to you you have the name of Jesus so now how should that name be used well listen to Jesus words in John 14 he says believe me that I am in the father and the father in me 
or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, come on now, oh, here we go. The works that I do, he will do also. So you saw what I did. Healed the blind man. Come on, cast out the demons, threw some, some, some demons in swine. Come on now. I, I healed a girl It wasn't even there. I just spoke the word. Your daughter will be healed. This is, this is scripture now. This is what Jesus said. I'm not making it up. He said, the works that I do, you will do also. And greater works than these. Because I go to my father. And then we know that he left us the Holy Spirit. And he says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Why? That the father may be glorified in the son. You ask anything in my name, I will do it. I will do it. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. He is imploring us through these scriptures. I know it sounds like a simple word, but he is imploring us. And until we get this, we're going to get beat up. When are we, when are we going to say, I'm tired of Satan coming in and doing what he wants to do? I'm tired of the enemy coming into my house and just wreaking havoc the way that he wants to wreak havoc. When are we going to make a stand? God said, I will raise a standard. When the enemy comes in, he says, like a flood, I will raise a standard. The enemy looks at you funny, like a flood, I will raise a standard. But we got to call on his name. The power is in your hands. Success is in your hands. And it's in your mouth. Now, often we think that using the name of Jesus is all about prayer. Because I talked about that last time. I talked about how I, I miss it a lot of times. I think we miss it sometimes when we pray. And we don't end our prayer simple. I know it sounds so simple, but we don't end our prayer by saying in Jesus' name. We need to do that. Because he said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. It's a guarantee. Now, that's not, now maybe he will do it if you didn't ask in his name. But I'd rather go with the guarantee. He gave me a guarantee. I guarantee you. I will do it if you ask in my name. But in a particular scripture in Acts chapter 3, a passage of scripture with Peter and John, they didn't use the name of Jesus in prayer. In fact, I wasn't going to read it. Let me go there. Acts chapter 3, if you got that. Acts chapter 3, looking at verse 1. You guys have heard this story before, probably many times, heard it preached on. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, we believe that's about 3 in the afternoon, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid at the gate of the temple, which is called what? Beautiful. And asked for alms who entered, all who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, look at us. Behold, look at me. Look at us. Look upon us. And the man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from He was expecting to receive some alms. Look at us. Oh, great. They're going to give me some money, some gifts. Come on. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What did he say? Rise up 
and walk. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet, his ankle bones received strength. So leaping up, he stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And the Bible says all the people saw him. Now, in this particular instance, I don't see where Peter really prayed for the man, as we know prayer, where he went over and laid hands on him and said, Now, Lord, God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, ancient of days, one who knows the beginning. No, he didn't go through all that. You know what he did? He said, in the name of Jesus. We need to get this this morning. Come on now. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Now, I want to tell you what he did. Because that that word there, when it says, when, when, when Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name. Now, you look it up. You look it up in your strong. This is homework. You look it up in your concordance, in your Young's literal translation. It means to put a demand on. To put a demand on. Whatever you ask in my name. Now, he's not putting a demand on God. He's not saying, God, I demand you. That's not what he's saying. But he's putting a demand on the situation. In the name of Jesus, you rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, he spoke to the situation using what? The name of Jesus. And so when he did that, Jesus acted. Results happened. The power was in his confession, in the name of Jesus. And so what are we talking about? What I really want you to know this morning is you have the authority to use the name of Jesus. You have authority with that name. God has given you power of attorney. You can sign the checks. You can speak in his name. Now, let me, let me just give you a sideline here. Just like we, I just want to reiterate what we talked about last time. We talked about this last time. I used the example of my son. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm his father. And listen, everything I have, you know, I, I belongs to him. I have no problem giving him what I have and what I own. Uh, you know, it's my joy to do that. You know, his mother and I, you know, love our son. We love our children. We will give them anything that we have. So if he comes up to me today and says, Dad, let me have the keys to the van, what will I say? No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Sister Patty. Come on, it's not a trick question, right? But I just got done saying everything I have is his. So why then would I say no? Because he is not fully matured. The, the fullness of time has not come. He's not matured enough. He needs to be taught. He needs to learn. Come on. You don't wake up one day and now you're all of a sudden you're some super Christian. Where you have it all together. No, the Bible says unto full stature is where we need to go. Right? And so some of us, some of us, I'm not calling any names. Some of us are at the stage of technon. That's my son. That means a little child. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with being that. It just means you grow. That's all it means. Some are at the stage of weas, that fully matured son. That's the word that the father used for Jesus when he was baptized. When he was baptized, it says the heavens opened up, my son. And another time when he was up on the Mount of Transfiguration, 
This is my son, hear ye him. He's saying, this is my weos. This is my fully matured son. Anything he says, I'm saying. Just like I said it. I'm saying it. He gave him that power. Another time I was in a meeting at work and we had, a, our, we had these meetings with our boss every once in a while, these staff meetings, and he gives us direction and gives us updates and all of these sorts of things. And all of a sudden they made a new position for a guy. He came in and he was going to be our scheduler. So he was going to schedule all our work. Well, some of us didn't really like that too much because it wasn't what we were used to doing. In other words, I can schedule my own work. I know what to do. I have my own territory in my area and all this type of thing. And I, I know how to do this thing. You, you know, I, you, the boss, you're there. Now, if you want me to do something, you tell me to do it. Otherwise, I know what to do. And then so we weren't listening to this guy. You know, he'd come in and say, well, look, we need to do this first and do this first and this second and this third. And nobody paying attention to this guy. Who is this guy? You know, my, bo- my boss will tell me what to do otherwise, all right? Then one day we had a meeting. The boss came in, called this guy in. He said, look, I hired this guy as a scheduler. Whatever he tells you, do it just like I'm saying it. And if you don't, the same thing is going to happen just as if you said no to me. So what did he do? He empowered this guy, right, with all of his power. He trusted him enough to say, hey, what he says and what he tells you to do, do it just as if I'm saying it. In other words, I am saying it. When he says it, I'm saying it. Do you realize that as you grow in Christ, that is the authority and power that God is bestowing upon us? That is the power he's bestowing upon us. For healing, for overcoming in our finances, for relationships, for salvations. Come on. We need to speak to these things in Jesus' name. Because we have authority and we have power. Mark 16, he said to them, go into all the world and preach to every creature. Preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, here's the part I like, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Come on, where's the signs? They will speak with new tongues. The scripture, don't argue with me about it, it's it's in the Bible. Said they will speak with new tongues. You want to fuss about tongues? Jesus said it. Said they will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. And he doesn't say, well, it depends on what day it is. They might recover or depends on. No, he said they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I don't know about you, but this is the kind of power that I'm seeking. This is the abundant life we're talking about. You think about abundant life, you think, well, Jesus just needs to, you know, give me some money. I mean, miraculously, you know, I heard where, uh, you know, a friend of mine, you know, his, uh, his Aunt Tootie died and uh, she left him a bunch of money. Well, you know, why can't my Aunt Tootie die and, you know, leave me a bunch of money? I, you know, God can give me money any kind of way, you know. And that's what we think about when we're talking about the abundant life. But you want to know what the abundant life is? The abundant life is realizing that you have the power and the authority to walk in the power and authority that God gave you. Come on, that you have resources. How much better is it to have resources that you can always draw from than to win the lottery one time? 
Come on, a friend of my mother's uh, years ago won the lottery, won $16 million. So she said, woo-hoo, won $16 million. Man, I'm rich. What she didn't realize, by the time she got the check, it was only $8 million, right? And then by the time she got done with her family coming over, she only had $4 million, all right? And by the time she bought her car and her house and went on 17 vacations, she only had half a million dollars, right? By the time she went to all the restaurants, the Ruth Chris, the St. Elmo's, and all those other places, she had about $1,000. And now she's back working just like everybody else. <laughs> well, she had a good time. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, listen, you win the lottery, hey, more power to you. Have a ball. All I'm saying is I would just rather have the resources I always can draw from. Always there. What do you need? It's here. What do you need? It's there. You need healing? It's there. Come on. Having relationship problems? It's here. Finances? It's here. God has unending supply. And that's what he's trying to get to us. Jesus legally gave the church the authority to use his name. He said, I have it all. We often quote the scripture, he owns cattle on a thousand hills. Listen, that's just a metaphor, folks. Cattle on a thousand hills is nothing to him. That's just, he's just trying to get it to your language so you can kind of understand how big things are. Right? Cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hill, the cattle, the grass, you know, the earth, the space, the star, everything. He owns it all. So when we say that, he's just trying to get us to see, listen, this is a bigger thing than you think. I have the resources. Just come back to me. John 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will do also. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you demand anything of a situation in my name, I will do it. It's just like I am there. So then you think about this name. What does this name produce? This name produces salvation. Acts 4, 12. Nor is there salvation in any other name. It produces sanctification. By that, we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, Hebrews 10.10. It produces justification. That's in 1 Corinthians 6. As were such some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. This name produces atonement. For even the Son of Man in Mark 10, 45 did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Now, atonement is a doctrine that we could talk about for the next 10 weeks, but simply means uh, a replacement. In other words, you were atoned for. You were made right. You were justified. All right? It, it gives us healing. gives us deliverance. It says, and these signs in Mark 16, 17 through 18, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. In my name. We just said it. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Come on, they will pick up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. And they will recover. That name gives us restoration. In Matthew 12, 13, then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored as whole. In that name we are baptized. Peter said, listen, in Acts 2.38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Acts 8 says, when the apostles were at Jerusalem, uh, they heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent Peter and John down there to join them. And when they had come down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet it had not fallen upon any of them, they had only been baptized in Jesus' name. 
In Acts 19, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and on and on. There's many scriptures about baptism. This name also produces unity. In Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, and he himself, you know this scripture, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Listen now, till we all come to the unity of the faith. If you don't believe that we're supposed to be unified, speaking the same thing, talk to Paul about the letter that he wrote to Ephesus and also when he wrote to Corinthians and said, we need to have the same mind. We need to be speaking the same thing. And that name undoubtedly gives us authority. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all, 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 All authority has been given to me, now here it is, in heaven and in earth. So you look at that and say, well, okay, I see it says all authority has been given to Jesus, but that's all authority has been given to him. What about me? Well, my question to you is, are you the body of Christ? All right. Last I read in Acts chapter 1 and before... Jesus stood on a mount and ascended into heaven to be at the right hand of the Father. But yet the scripture says all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So how is he on earth? Well, you know it. Through you and through me. So all authority is in you. Do you see that? Maybe you didn't understand all. You have all authority has been given to you, Jesus being the head, you being the body, but you're part of that all authority. It's about your confession, but what are you saying? The word you speak in any given situation will tell you if you believe that you have authority or not. In Matthew 10, he said, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me, I will also deny him. Jesus wants us to confess it with our mouth. Salvation is given this way. For with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And then in Hebrews 10, he says, let us hold fast to the what? The confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Remember in John 8, 12, we read this earlier. Jesus was talking and said, the, the, until the light, the salvation, the, the light of the salvation comes. And in John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Right? He is the light of the world. Well, guess what? In Matthew five fourteen, guess what he told us? He said, you are the light of the world. Now, how is he the light of the world and also we're the light of the world? Well, very simply because he being in you. You being the body of Christ, you then are the light of the world. And I don't know what you think about that, but to me, that's a pretty heavy situation. If I think about the world depends on me, I am the light of the world. I, I have a, you know, a friend of mine, uh, I, was, I was talking with her, uh, a pastor, about some things. And 
uh, you know, to me, I was just kind of, you know, giving some, uh, my opinion, you know, some advice type of thing. Well, you probably ought to do this and, uh, you know, do that thing and uh, maybe train up some leaders or this type of thing. And, you know, just follow God and see what God would tell you. And then um, all of a sudden, a few months later, uh, she uh, called me up, emailed me, said, yep, I did everything you said. I did it just like you said. And she named everything that I had told her uh, to do, right? And so what happened with me is all of a sudden this thing came upon me, this revelation that, wow, man, what you say has a lot of weight, right? It means a lot. And so we need to be careful about what we say. You need to be careful about your confession because just like I saw that thing happen in the flesh, the same, it has starts in the spirit. And when we speak a thing, don't think, oh, it doesn't mean anything. I'm just saying this thing. You know, I'm, I'm sick. I'm just, I just get sick this time every year. You know, or just my leg always hurts and it just always hurts this time. Or, you know, that person is never going to, those people are never going to get back together. That couple, you know, he's always going to be that way. Be careful of what you say and what comes out of this mouth. Because earlier we just talked about it. All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. And so you have that authority. And so when you speak, it means something. Right? You know how they, they have a cliche, prayer changes things? Well, your words change things, whether you believe it or not. Here's what I would say to do. Here's what we ought to do. Knowing now that we have this authority in Jesus, by using the name of Jesus in every situation, knowing that we simply have to grow up in him, come on now, we need to spend some time in the word. Right? Because I, I showed you earlier what unbelievers can't do it. Well, baby saints are on that borderline also. Come on now. So we need to spend some time with him. We need to spend some time in that word. We need to spend some time in prayer, right? We need to spend some time learning and getting taught, reading, fellowshipping. We need to spend some time with the Lord and doing his work. And we'll grow up in him knowing that all authority now has been given to us, right? Because we're the part that's on earth. Knowing that we have all of that authority now, to me, it, 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 it revives me. It makes me now say, okay, you know what? Now's the time. I'm going to take a stand. Tired of things being the way they have always been. And the only time it's going to start is with me. And where it starts is looking in the mirror. Remember the words of that famous prophet? No, he's not a prophet. Michael Jackson song, Man in the Mirror, right? Well, that's true for us as Christians. We need, I know, I'm sorry. We need to start with that person in the mirror. Stand to your feet this morning. That's what we're going to pray this morning, that we can start with that one in the mirror. We can police our own confession over our life. We can police our own confession over the, the, those, those family members in our life. Come on. Over our situation, over our bodies. Come on. We can police our own confession in all of these situations. It starts with us. It starts with the person in the mirror. Because now we have the knowledge. This is not anything that probably most of you have not heard before. But I just believe that God wants us to be revived by understanding that the name of Jesus is powerful. And not only is the name of Jesus powerful, but the name of Jesus is not way out there somewhere. The name of Jesus, the name of Jesus is right here with you and with me. Come on, we have it. We have it.